and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm joined today by Luke. Hello. By Paul. Hi. And by Claire. Hiya. And today is a really exciting episode because we are starting a new mini-series looking at uh, these five mission priorities that the Salvation Army's mission service have released in the last few months. Uh, but before we get into that, I'm just going to jump to Paul, who's going to talk about the amazing listener group. The amazing listener group. I thought it was yeah. called the Some Sort of Miracle listener group. Yeah, you're right. It's called I'll that. plug both. Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, we were having a look at the stats today um, from the last few weeks of, of downloads. And uh, it turns out we've got a, a new um, group of, of listeners yeah. from... Uh, America. I don't know how we've managed to um, attract interest from America, but if you are listening and you're from Oregon, uh, you are part of a new big percentage of our listeners. So welcome. Uh, we really love it if you could connect to us on the some sort of listener group. Uh, you can find that on Facebook under uh, SSOM Listener Group. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And even if you're not from Oregon, we'd love you to connect there as well. But especially the people in Oregon, we'd love to hear how you found yeah. us and. <laughs> How all that came to be. I'm only uh, plugging for the people in Oregon. So. Okay, yeah. Paul just if, wants to... If that's to, you, then I want you to join. If not, then, you know. Especially those in Portland. That seems to be where it's all happening at the moment. But um, Yeah. So, yes, this mini-series, we got distracted by there by stats. And I, I love looking at those stats just to see where people are listening, but I'm not going to get too distracted. Um, the mission priorities that we're going to be talking about are five different areas that the Salvation Army have indicated are central to... Uh, what we consider mission and how we want to engage in mission in the world. And those five uh, priorities are sharing the good news, serve others without discrimination, nurture disciples of Jesus, care for creation and seek justice and reconciliation. And we're starting today with the first one, sharing the good news. But before we jump into that, we've got another thing to do, and that is to ask our icebreaker question. And that is, <laughs> what is the best story you've ever been told? I just want to clarify, we are not including the Bible for obvious reasons. That's it, that yeah. the greatest story ever told, but that doesn't seem fair to sure. all have that answer. Nothing from the Bible. Well, I mean, I have to say my favourite story has to be Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. um, for a sheer amount of times I've read and watched. Yeah. Um, I am a Lord of the Rings nerd and it is a great story. That's it. Good. That's me. My favourite story is Matilda by Roald Dahl, which is really good because it's a story about her reading lots of different stories. But, Very good. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, but it also is that story of kind of adversity and coming through adversity and that strength to kind of be who you are, if, even if circumstances don't necessarily make it easy for you. Hmm. And there's a giant chocolate cake in it. So that's always a winner. Um, so I don't read much, which probably is a very good sort of like, um, you know, um, good stories. Um, so most of my stories are probably from like film and TV. Um, but I always love watching Harry Potter. Um in in your sort of more fandom geekness um harry potter is one of my favorite stories i just think there's a lot of like um wisdom in there um i love how sort of dumbledore just sort of seems to have seems to have the the right words for pretty much every situation and even though it's like magical and wizards yeah. and stuff like that there is some 
actual real life application in there as well. Um, I think he makes some comment about how um, we can find light um, even in the darkest times. Yeah. And I just think that's just a really nice little um, nugget from it. So yeah, Harry Absolutely. Potter. Oh, that's a good one. Have you ever done those quizzes where it's like, is this Dumbledore, Gandalf or Jesus? And it'll give you a quote and you've got to figure out which one it is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, annoyingly hard and I feel like I should do a lot better on them than I do but <laughs> I love that. maybe we'll do that as an icebreaker at some point uh, we'll do one of those quizzes um, story wise when we were talking about this the first one that came to mind was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and I was thinking now, is it the dialogue in that I like or is it the story and I think in a way it's both because the story is just so absurd and that just ticks every box for me and my, my sense of humour. Like, everything that happens is just nonsense. And um, every, you can't, yeah, you can't kind of predict where things are going to go uh, because, yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. And I just really enjoy that sort of story. Um, but that probably says a lot about me, doesn't it? Okay, so like Ed said, we are starting uh, a series on the mission priorities, and the first mission priority is to share the good news. Um, so I'm just going to read what um, the Salvation Army sort of little paragraph is explaining what, what they mean when they have, have said that. Um, and it says, at the heart of the Salvation Army's mission is a passion to... I can't even say it. At the heart of the Salvation Army's mission is a passion to... Why can't I say proclaim? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back again. At the heart of the Salvation Army's mission is a passion to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ far and wide. As a mission service, we do what we do because our inspiration and vision come from people's ongoing relationship with Jesus. We know the difference our relationship with God makes in our lives, and we don't want anyone to miss out. Um, so my question is, what does it mean to share good news? We probably need to start with, what does good news mean? Two questions in one. So it's interesting because we're looking, well, we're around Easter at this time. We're recording this and looking uh, looking back perhaps on that. And ultimately, the story of Easter is that story of arguably bad news transforming into good news. But then because of that good news, the bad news becomes good. Well, that's confusing, isn't it? But in terms of thinking about what happened on Good Friday is actually like devastating the one they put all their hope in as, as jesus and in terms of everything seemed to be defeated and god seemingly was defeated because jesus died on the cross but then out of that brokenness and out of that darkness we get to easter sunday when actually the good news then is that jesus isn't dead jesus is alive so i guess the essence of the good news is that jesus is alive yeah there's a few different ways of approaching this question, aren't there? There's, there's like, um, I think that absolutely Jesus is alive. It's got to be central into all of that. And, and that sort of whole, again, I've got another song stuck in my head. I know I did this last time. I'm not going to sing it this time, but you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debts to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. That's kind of like a, in my head, the way it sums up <laughs> um, the life of Jesus as being good news. And that is, that is good news for people, isn't it? But um, another way I heard someone talk about um, good news was 
this, this was a person who worked in a really tough estate for years and he had he lived in this estate he got to know everyone there he'd been there for well over a decade and um, he came to do a talk at some training event I was at and and he started speaking about um, people that had been um, abused or people that had um, suffered neglect or have had struggled with financial stuff had all these things going on and he said when I got there I assumed that the good news was that Jesus forgives them and when I got there that actually that wasn't good news to them because they weren't in need of that forgiveness they were in need of um, justice they were in need of um, like shackles and oppression being thrown off them. They were in need of being um, given something to hope for and to um, and some something to look towards. And actually, good news to them was different to what good news had been to him growing up. And I always find that really a, a, an interesting, powerful statement that actually, yeah, there is this central good news that is good news for everyone uh, about Jesus on the cross and Jesus, well, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But also there's kind of like the way we frame that, where we package good news can look really different um, in different contexts. And I guess it comes down to the identity of Jesus, because essentially, if Jesus was just a man that lived 2000 years ago and rose from the dead, however impressive that would be, if he isn't the son of God, yeah. then actually it makes no impact on your life. Mm. Like if if he isn't the son of God who created you and loves you and died and rose again because of that love rather than just to prove some magic trick then actually is it really that good news hmm. and that's how if we discover who jesus is to us that's when it becomes good news perhaps yeah. i think the great thing about the whole like good news of jesus is that obviously like as we've said it can absolutely apply to everyone in terms of the most general sense but it can be a really sort of specific thing and i think that what i think that's what makes it so good in that whilst it does have a general application it has lots of specific applications as well so for those people that 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 need to know that there is a god out there that basically wants to like break their chains that's great and then for those who who feel so unloved there is the sort of good news that sort of they are loved beyond measure mm. and i just think there is the wonderfulness of of, of 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 i guess the sort of good news is is that it really does sort of it is good news for everyone and it's good news for literally everything so yeah yeah i really like that luke and i think ed you've kind of alluded to it as well that we can have life in all its fullness through jesus um, to quote Jesus, um, I think that's one of my favourite verses in the Bible, um, that we will have life in all its fullness through him. Um, and I guess the bit that needs filling is different for each person. So if that is freedom from oppression or being loved when you don't feel loved, then that is making your life whole. Um, I really like that way of thinking about it. It reminds me of the song by Rend Collective, which is called Good News Rescuer. And it says, he is beauty for the blind man, riches for the poor, friendship for the one the world ignores, pasture for the weary, rest for those who strive. Totally recognises what you guys have said in terms of in each specific circumstance, in terms of what each need or longing we have. Mm. Jesus feeds right into that. Mm. 
And in terms of that becomes good news because that's our reality. And he speaks into those situations as you guys were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that good news kind of comes down to God loves and wants a relationship with you and will meet you where you are, no matter your need or position or context. Yeah. I haven't, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's really interesting. Do you think sometimes we, this isn't a listed question, but do you think sometimes we make the good news seem like not so good news? Yeah. <laughs> I think perhaps if you look back on the history of the church in certain circumstances and even in reality now, somehow in terms of, in, in terms, if people had an understanding that if they came to Jesus, they would experience life in all its fullness, mm. then clearly that's what they would do. But somehow the church and Christians or whatever have managed to portray that the Christian life is a lesser life than what they're already living. Yeah. I love that quote by Gandhi, um, was it, who said, I um, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Was it something like that? I may have horribly misquoted him there, but yeah, I think we we can often be a, a bad representation for for that life in all its fullness. I think it's, it's sort of almost typical of like news, like just talk like general like world news. You can basically get given a sort of news article and yet someone takes one bit of this news article and ignores everything else and just gives them this one line out of the news. Uh, and, and, and so that's what they perceive to be the news or, 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 mm. or, or someone reads a headline and doesn't read further on and, and basically assumes that, 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 that actually the headline is the lump sum of basically everything. But actually if they, but if they experience the the entirety like of the news, they would get a lot better picture. And I, I I wonder if perhaps we've been giving people only a headline, or we've been giving them, or we've been pulling out um, a single line and giving them and giving them that as basically being the news. But actually, there's so much more to it than just a headline. Um, if we're thinking um, about you know you know news yeah absolutely in terms of what is it we project to the world what is it that we show to the world uh, in one peter in the, in the bible it says always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and in our lives does anyone look at us and think i want to have what you've got and that's the real challenge isn't it mm. for for us or do we live as if we've living with that good news in our heart and mind cool so our second question is what is the role of storytelling within sharing the good news hmm. this is a really big question actually isn't it because this theme of story and storytelling is right at the heart of I guess the Christian faith is right at the heart of the way Jesus communicated and um, the way that he taught. And it's right at the heart of, you know, everything we, we talk about in terms of evangelism today is all the art of storytelling. I remember when we did the Apest episode a, few, a little while ago, we spoke about, um, yeah, uh, the way that 
um, Alan Hirsch talks about the five different um, giftings, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, shepherd and teacher. And one of the ways of describing the evangelist is the storyteller, the person that is able to communicate what God's done in their lives um, in really um, kind of open and accessible ways. So, yeah, definitely this storytelling is hugely central to the theme of sharing the good news. And that's exactly what Jesus did, isn't it, in terms of the way he spoke and the way he engaged with people was telling those stories. Because for whatever reason, it does engage a crowd, does engage people, because you can suddenly recognise the story of your own life, perhaps. Been um, reading a devotional um, from uh, the Bible app um, that's based on um, a book by Hannah Steele called Living His Story. Um, and that kind of talks about how Jesus was the perfect storyteller. Um, and the only way to tell his story is, number one, to live his story, but to communicate in the way that Jesus did, mm. which was um, really like, like I said earlier, to meet people where they are and communicate in the way that they understand, to um, try and bring that good news through as, as amazing, life-changing news, but in ways that, that people can actually relate to and and that's a it's a massive challenge because every person is different and everyone will hear a different thing when you say one story mm. um so it's, it is a massive a massive challenge to communicate as well as the the perfect human did um there's just a, a little bit of, that i want to read from that um as a passage in the devotion um it says our appetite for story reflects the profound human need to grasp the pattern of living, not merely as an intellectual exercise, but within a very personal emotional experience. And I think that when, when we try and tell the story of Jesus, we, we often go for the, oh, you can do miracles and he'll change your life. And we just leave it at that. And that's so big that you can't grasp what that means as someone who has not experienced Jesus. And even for someone who has quite a lot of the time, mm. it's such a big thing to just say, oh yeah, well, he's life-changing. So, well, what yeah. does that what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and and telling stories about how, if if that's a testimony or, um, the way that Jesus told stories, as in parables, those those are really physical and and easy to understand principles. I think. Mm. I think there's just something powerful about stories as a whole obviously we talked about right at the start about like you know like what our, like what our favorite story is and I, I, and there's a reason why i guess we each like that story and i guess it's the fact that stories have this ability to to bring people along and and, and i guess if we are saying that um evangelism is basically storytelling then we want to bring people along um i can remember um I think it was your um, dad, Ed, talking about how about how he went to see ice hockey and basically how it was the greatest thing on earth and and then told everyone he knew, like, just how great ice hockey was. And, and then he um, posed the question, why don't we do the same with Jesus? Hmm. And I think it's that, it's that there's something about stories that can just um, sort of, like, capture people and... And I think it just gives us that um, it it's that accessibility that stories have, and where it breaks down these huge, complex theological ideas that can be 
a bit of a minefield sometimes and, and makes them into something that we can understand and something that we can relate to our lives. And I think the power of the story is that even the parables that were told two and a bit thousand years ago, you can still, you know, relate to today. And I guess that is the power of sort of a good story. And, and actually, you know, the sort of good news as a whole is that it transcends time and space. And actually the stories of God told even before Jesus are still relevant today and there's still power in those stories. Um, before we um, sort of launched into tonight's um, conversations, I, I was thinking about Game of Thrones <laughs> because um, someone said that someone said that, that is a great story. And I believe it's in the final season of basically the TV series. Um, Tyrion talks about um, um, things that have a lot of power. And he basically says, is it armies? Is it gold? And he basically says that it's stories and um, stories have this power to sort of unite people. And I think actually, you know, I'd love that to be true for basically Jesus, that actually Jesus has the power to sort of unite people. His story and basically his good news has that power. And I guess um, that's something that I would love to see realised. And yeah, that's where I sort of sit with it, I guess. Yeah, and that's so true, isn't it? That stories contain so much power because whether you believe the story of Jesus or not, you can't deny that this story about this man who was the son of God that came to earth and was um, and travelled around healing the sick um, and doing all sorts of stuff that got him in trouble and eventually killed and then came back from the dead has changed the course of human history. Nothing has been the same since that happened. Or the whole world has been shaken up by this one story. And that that is some there's something hugely powerful in that. And I, I think you're definitely right in that. Perhaps I think we do forget that sometimes, the power of the story. Well, I was just gonna say it's that kind of thing about this is the story of Jesus, and it's working out how that translates into our story hmm. in terms of what can be different in our story, because we know and understand something of Jesus's story. So 2000 years later, does that story make any difference to us? Because that is why we should or can or should be driven to share that good news so that it not just changes our story, but can change the story of those around us. So our next question um, comes from a famous Christian saying, and it's often attributed to Francis of Assisi, but it is in fact not. Uh, there, well, there's no evidence of him actually saying it, uh, which Google reliably informs me. But the, the saying is, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. And the question is simply, what do you think? What do you think of that? Because uh, there's so many ways you can go with that. I, I, I First time I he heard it, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. But then I heard some people who really didn't like it. And I was like, oh, they've got a point. And now I've come back around a little bit like, oh, I do quite like it still. So I just wondered where you guys were with it. I like it, but I think I don't know where your point was going to go with that, but I could take it. Neither a do I. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think um, that the idea of the, the sort of, I'm not going to say quote, because I don't know who it was quoted by. It could be completely made up. Yeah. Um, but I guess it would have been made of who I'm getting on a tangent now, but but anyway, <laughs> back to the answer to your question. Um, I think it's it's useful to remind us that we're not here to preach a sermon. 
Mm. We're here to live a life and that life should lead towards Jesus. And if people can't see that by the way we live, then we're probably missing something. Mm. It's interesting because I similarly, when I I first heard it, used to really like it. I was like, but I probably used it as an excuse because I was like, it's okay if I just live nicely and I'm kind to people and show them love. I don't have to mention Jesus. It doesn't Mm. have to get into that awkward conversation about the difference Jesus makes in my life. But actually, there are many, many other people who live kind, good lives, whose life is exactly perhaps parallel to what I choose to do. But they it's not because of Jesus, which is whatever. But is it all of, then about pointing to me rather than pointing to Jesus? Jesus, mm. If I'm just kind and nice and good, but don't ever mention that that's because of who Jesus is to me, then does it all become about me rather than about him? Yeah, definitely. And I, I agree. I love the way that it highlights the need for us to use more than our words um, and use kind of our uh, and build relationships and honest relationships in a way that people can see all of our lives, including, you know, our faith and including our relationship with Jesus and actually to show um, what the gospel means to us through the way that we live and interact in the world. And I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's really important. But I also agree that that could, but that can really become an excuse it's interesting I, I hadn't thought about it in terms of an excuse before but i can see how i think i've probably used it as that in 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 my life as well um where you, you kind of you see an opportunity where you could share your faith where you could talk about jesus explicitly and um yeah maybe when you get those little nudges from the holy spirit to actually share and to um talk about jesus this shouldn't be the thing stopping you or well, nothing should stop you really because those those moments are really precious actually where um you can share your faith i think it's one of those sort of phrases um that for me um brings about a knee-jerk reaction of oh i absolutely hate it <laughs> probably because it is it's one of those like fridge magnets or or basically like put it on a bookmark kind of like mm. turn of phrase that are just like thrown out there so often um and and you look at it and go well that's all very well and good but as you know um, obviously claire's been saying i can be as nice a person as i want but if people say why you like that and and basically just say oh because i've I've kind of (laughs) missed the point you know and i think you know rightly or wrongly there's been a people have been encouraged to obviously like live it out and obviously that's obviously you know obviously a right thing to do and obviously live it out and sort of like model it and sort of you know rather than you know the classic example i'm told of told younger was um that if you see someone being like you know bullied at school you know don't go join in because you can model good christian behavior but actually modeling sometimes isn't enough I think we have to have the courage to 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 speak up. Um, obviously, not in a right down their throat. You you you're going to hear me, um, but I think there is that place for action and words to come side by side, um, so that you model something and then you tell them why you're doing it in a, in, in a way that is relevant to that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my knee-jerk reaction to stuff like this is always, 
oh, I hate <laughs> it. Um, but I think the more you unpack it, um, there is some good stuff in there. Mm. And um, I think there's a, I think you need to find the balance between modeling it and, and, and also um, saying the right words. Cause sometimes I imagine people don't want to hear your words and, <laughs> and they just yeah. want to be, they just want you to be in that moment with them. So I guess it's a, a fine balancing act really. Mm. I think it is important to remember that it does say to use words if necessary and quite often it is necessary yeah i think sometimes we read that and say oh well don't use words unless it's absolutely there's no other option but actually that's how we communicate with people the vast majority of the time is by words mm. admittedly a lot of things go unspoken and you like body language is really important in even in communication mm. but to use words is to really highlight the point that you're trying to make and i mean yeah. if we're not saying that then this podcast is going to go down really badly <laughs> oh yeah, I think one thing that is interesting about it, which may just be kind of a, a linguistic thing, but the way it's phrased, it, it implies that the primary method of communication of the gospel is not our words. And that the primary method of communication is is something more than that, is our actions, is our way of being, is our way of moving uh, in the world. Um and yeah, I, I, I was going to say what I thought about that, but I don't I don't really know. Um, I guess words are the way that we we have always whenever you think about evangelism, we, th we think about our, our words. We think about telling the good news, sharing it verbally. Um, but what what does preaching the gospel look like without our words? It's really interesting. So as we had this conversation, I've just been thinking like, did I preach the gospel today? Mm. And like, in what way did I preach the gospel? Like, what does it actually look like in reality mm. to preach the gospel if we don't use words? And obviously we can, but what does that look like tangibly? Mm. We've done a lot of referring back to song lyrics in the last good. few. This is a new thing we do but, now. Um, apparently that's, yeah, apparently that's who we are. Um, and we're going to go to sidewalk prophets now. Okay. Um, with uh, the song Live Like That. Mm. Um, and while you were talking then, um, it made me think of um, the chorus and that, which is, I, I want to live like that and give it all I have so that everything I say and do points to you. If love is who I am, then this is where I'll stand, recklessly abandoned, never holding back. I want to live like that. Mm. And I think if you live as the love is who you are, then that is going to point to God. Mm. Yeah, I guess this all ties back to this idea of mission as well, which I would say is a broader term in many senses than evangelism. And when we talk about these five mission priorities, it's perhaps helpful to think a little bit about what mission is <laughs> in a wider sense. But I would argue that mission is much more a way of living in the world, much more a lens in which we view our lives um than than an activity and i think that's something we often get caught in in a trap of when are, are we as a church doing mission rather than do we live in a way in which it do we live in a missional way is our church a missional church um mission should be the soil that we are planted into rather than an activity that, that we do if that makes sense i'm struggling with my my imagery here but um i think the same like with this this kind of um phrase draws on something of that 
that perhaps perhaps there is something really powerful about where we spend our time about who we interact with and what we what we do with our spare time and and the way that we build relationships the way the way that we do all these like mundane things that perhaps we brush off as not important but there there is something powerful just about our presence in the world that goes beyond just a uh, or goes beyond yeah that that verbal telling of the good news but actually living like jesus in a way that people can see um yeah i'm i'm kind of getting all airy fairy and lost here but do you, does that <laughs> any of that make sense yeah i guess it's that, that power of influence isn't it in terms of who we are and what people do see in us mm. because if we if we were to think of people around us where who we see jesus in we probably can name those people. It's not necessarily the people who speak to us all the time about God or share the Bible or share faith with us, but actually you do see something within them which suggests that they have a good relationship with God or God's made a difference in their life, perhaps. And so if we can see that outwardly, what can other people see within us? Hmm. Yeah, and I think as well, like you said, Ed, about cultivating a, you said missional soil, and I think you were almost at the brink of getting lost in your own analogy. <laughs> but I, I think uh, absolutely um, cultivating that environment where it's the, the people that are linked to your church or to your sort of missional sphere, the, the people that you come into contact with, is making that atmosphere such that they know that there is a reason that you're doing the things that you're doing and that mm-hmm. Jesus is at the centre of what's happening where you are, wherever you are. But I can't think of a better analogy than soil, so I'm going to leave that where it is. When we first started this podcast, we our first episode was on miracles, and we used a quote from Einstein, I think it was, and he said, um, "There's two ways of looking at the world. One is that uh, nothing is a miracle, or that nothing is miraculous, and and the second is that everything is miraculous and everything is a miracle." And I may have got that wrong. That may not be Einstein, but I'm sure Paul's Googling it at the moment and we'll find out shortly. Um, but yeah, that it, it reminds me of that in the sense that it was Einstein. Good. Uh, in the sense that if we truly saw God in everywhere, everywhere we looked around the world, if we kind of saw the miraculous nature of existence and really truly believed this Jesus story, surely there's something infectious in that and that 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 there is something that would change the way we interact in the world and yeah i guess maybe that's something i'm going to be praying for in myself the next few days that i'll be captured a little bit more by that wonder of just i guess god being at work in the world and that kind of brings us around to kind of what my question is thinking about why do we sometimes find it so difficult to share the good news? Because if, as Ed says, and I think we would probably all believe that the good news is so incredible because you get joy, you get hope, you get love. If we, if we truly believe it transforms your life and can transform everyone's life, why are we not always sharing it? Yeah. It's something that I've heard sort of preached about a lot. Um, you know, if, if someone gave you, um, 
the answer to life, you would be sharing it with everyone who who you came into contact with this if someone gave you i'm trying to think of all the analogies that i've had at church before if someone gave you the a treasure map leading to yeah um you know enough enough wealth for all of your family you would share it with those people that you love and Hmm. um we have that essentially um i think one of the things that i think from a more practical point of view that the reason i would struggle to share the good news to share um jesus and share christianity especially um is that i i i'm not sure of the best way to bring people to that and to deepen that mm-hmm. um i'm quite happy to tell people i'm a christian and i wouldn't ever shy away from that really um but in terms of deepening their relationship with jesus or bringing them to Jesus in in some way a lot of the people that I mix with I don't think would go further than one Sunday morning meeting without not going again and and never giving it a second thought and I it's a big risk to take at that point because you don't maybe maybe we just maybe I just don't have enough faith in in what can happen when God is involved and I think there's a lot to be said for that um but I think quite a lot of the time I'm very risk averse and I don't want to waste the one chance I might get don't know if that identifies with anyone else yeah absolutely um oh i'm struggling to pull my thoughts together as you were speaking i was like yeah that yeah yeah that is like so many different points but i think we've got to acknowledge that we're not doing this from a blank slate (laughs) Uh, we're not sharing this this good news um where people have never heard of christianity and they may not have heard the christian story um being told properly um at but I know I've been I've had the privilege of having many Christian like non-Christian friends uh, throughout university and through school and and still now I've got lots of friends who aren't Christians and whenever I speak to them about Christianity and what their thoughts are on faith quite often the two responses I get are I I have no problem with it as long as it's not shoved in my face and as long as people aren't like desperately trying to convert me and two, I, I'm all right with it as long as people aren't judging me. And it seems to be that that there is this assumption that Christians are always going to try and trick them almost or like force them into a conversion or do everything they can to get them to a point of becoming Christian. And I think that that is one of the things that gets in the way for me is that it's in the back of my mind all the time because I am friends with people because I am friends with them. I like my, my friends, I will be friends with them. If they become Christian, I'll be friends with them. If they don't become Christian was, I was, I love them as people. Would I love to see them become Christians? Of course. And I, I share my faith with them a lot. And that's a, a, that's wonderful. Some of the best conversations I have about faith actually are with people who aren't Christians. But um, I think we have to be careful in that sometimes it can get to the point where we're just like, well, we we could get to the point where we just build relationships in some sort of attempt to convert them rather than a genuine longing for relationship and connection with other humans. I don't know if you remember Ed, but I remember having a conversation with you about uh, one of our friends that will remain nameless for the purpose of the podcast who um, wasn't a Christian and then decided he was going to come to our summer school. Hmm um really out of the blue 
Um, and, you know, our summer school is a place where I'm sure um, you would agree some of our most powerful sort of faith experiences have come from. Yeah. Um, and we were really excited, but immediately as soon as he told us he was coming, and this is off the back of really no church engagement, except for when he was a small child, um, he decided he was coming and we were immediately absolutely terrified because it's a really intense week and we were thinking, well, what if he doesn't, what if he doesn't engage? What if he hates it? Hmm. This is the only chance if he doesn't like it, he's never going to come back. And that's that. And he absolutely loved it and, and got a lot out of it and had a real connection with faith. Hmm. And we came away from the week thinking, why, why did we ever expect anything different? Why did we go into that without any faith that something amazing would happen? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we do just, we, because we, because we're so passionate about Jesus, mm. it makes us scared that people aren't going to like it sometimes mm. for a lot of different reasons, maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I remember we were really, really scared that, that that was going to be it and that he wouldn't mm. like it. And really we should have been trusting and praying and having faith that God would do what he does. Yeah. And I think we come from that kind of perhaps fearful or pessimistic perspective, whether that's founded or not. Actually, there is that anxiety and that concern that the that the natural response is going to be no, or the natural mm. response is going to be rejection. Mm. Um, so, which puts us on the back foot already in terms of that. For reasons, as you've said, in terms of we don't want to be the Christian that puts them off Christ. Yeah, yeah. And then somehow we can be then the one that doesn't share faith because of genuine reasons we genuinely love them and we genuinely want to share it in the best way and we just don't know the timing wise we just don't know what to do to do with that um yeah and perhaps we think we hold ourselves responsible for bringing them to christ without recognizing that god is working in the background and in the foreground sort of thing i think sort of feeding into that in terms of like what stops us from sharing the good news like what stops us telling a sort of like good story if if, if you're going to go back to the language of basic story i think sometimes i've certainly felt this at times that actually the story that i'm going to tell is not impressive like you've got people who can share the good news of jesus in the most eloquent of ways and you just sit there and go i feel so inferior I can't speak like that. Um, I think as someone who, 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 you know, obviously um, has a stammer, this is a huge thing for me because speaking at the best of times isn't always easy. Um, and so I go, well, I'm not eloquent enough to have this conversation. There's someone much better prepared and much better qualified to be the one having this conversation. Someone a lot better able, who is able to share the sort of good news in a way that, it's not going to be an incoherent blabbering mess as I often think it's going to be. Um, but I guess that's, again, that is us almost, I think we almost limit ourselves. We, we, well, like in trying to limit ourselves, we almost limit God in a mm. way we think, okay. And I think I've done this and I've gone, okay, I can't do this. So I'm not going to do it. Mm. But actually, even though I don't think I can do it, God can do it through me. And being able to, I think just having confidence, I guess, that you can share good news hmm. and it doesn't have to be this most um, eloquent, grand, epic novel. It can be just something really um, 
short and simple. Um, something that happened actually actually over the weekend. Um, one of our toddlers um, was basically getting baptized, and, and, and so obviously I was invited to go along to um, to obviously the um, obviously obviously the um, baptism and, and obviously the whole um, party afterwards, which was really quite nice. And it's that thinking tonight actually. Okay, so in toddlers, how do I, as a 24-year-old bloke, how do I share the good news with a room of 20-odd women who, who are basically all mothers to multiple kids? And, and, I, and, I, and I sat there and gone, I don't know how I do it. Um, but I was, um, anyway, the conversation was obviously moving on and obviously talking about something or other. And basically she made a comment about how that, um, you know, this obviously child like loves to see me at toddlers. And it's like, and it's like, hang on a second, like this, this like one and a half year old probably can't understand what I'm saying, but, but knows that he enjoys coming to this place. Hmm. So comes and obviously seems to enjoy it. And, and, and she said that there's been a huge impact from coming along that space and I think it's that it sort of has re has sort of affirmed for me that actually to share the good news it doesn't have to be eloquent it mm. doesn't have to be um perfect um because God will need because because God will use um the conversations that that basically we have for, for his glory in ways that we can never imagine um I often I I, I love the analogy of of sort of planting seeds and 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 how if we're going analogies um how we plant seeds in it, we, we we plant seeds and and whether we plant them in like missional soil or not who knows <laughs> but we hope so. plant these we well, yeah, i hope so and you know maybe we should do um but we plant these seeds and and we just we have to hope and, and we just have to leave it there and 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 and, and see what happens i think and yeah, the fears that we're going to get it wrong or fears that we aren't eloquent enough probably ties into why people don't do it. Mm. And so I just think people need to, I think like as church, we should be encouraging people to just to tell their stories regardless, to share the good news regardless in whatever way they can do. Because um, I think at the end of the day, I think what a lot of people long for is just someone to have a chat with them. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, intricate theology but just a chat and you never know where that chat might lead yeah i really agree i think that's really powerful that it's the it can be the small seemingly insignificant moments that have huge impact and i think that that i love that analogy again of sowing seeds that we may not um see grow um we may not be around for to see what that becomes but uh quite often we only measure our impacts in terms of sharing the gospel by by those who come to church and become christians and we all want to see in a way that that step we all want to be there at that magical moment but actually that's that being there at that moment is no less no more or less important than being there at the start of someone's journey and and seeing something that is in in many ways really hard to measure 
in terms of success where you're just starting to think about faith or or just the, the maybe you're the first Christian person that that they've met um, in real life or maybe you're just changing their perception of who Jesus is little by little um yeah it, you can't understate how important those those interactions are yeah and if you think you've for want of a better phrase cocked it up um if you think you've completely messed up your opportunity to um minister to that person you have no idea what that lasting impact is yeah and i think sometimes we we see that go wrong and think oh well i'm not doing that again because i've just turned that person away from jesus but actually you might have just turned them enough so that the next person can turn them mm. towards jesus and uh, it's really hard to to not take that to heart when that goes wrong when people don't see it the way you want them to see it but that doesn't mean that you haven't you know softened their hearts to um, to what someone else has got to say later down the line and i guess for us it's recognizing and receiving again the good news for us and actually understanding this is really good news for me mm. and in terms of what difference that makes in my life because then we are more empowered and more given more courage to go and share that news because we actually recognize you know what without jesus where would i be so it gives us that hope doesn't it for ourselves and for other people so that's all we have time for in today's episode um we really thank you for listening and uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on sharing the gospel and to do that uh, if you head to the ssom listener group on facebook and we'd love to carry on the conversation there but until next time be well Thank you.